Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. want to make an impact in this world. We want to make a difference. We want to have a lasting legacy. Some of you go, no, 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 I don't really want that. I don't really, I just kind of want to live a quiet life. I don't want anyone to bother me. I just want to be okay, comfortable, but I don't need to make a difference. I don't want to make a, I don't need 15 minutes of fame. That's not for me. Just let me live. But honestly, it matters to us, all of us. Do you want your words to make a difference in this world? Do you want your work to be significant? Do you want your financial investments to make an impact, to make a difference? We're designed by God to make a difference, to make an impact. I've done a number of funerals in my day. I've been to a number. I've led a number of funerals. And you know what's interesting? When you go to a funeral, there are certain people that leave a lasting impact, and there's certain people who don't. Which one would you rather be? Right, like you're gonna be there, you're gonna be dead, right? Like it's, you're gonna be there, but like if you're there, do you want to be the person that leaves? Not, none of this is like, do you wanna be an influencer? I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about fame, I'm not talking about fortune. I'm talking about someone who makes an impact on the people around them so that when you're no longer here, the world goes, man, I miss her. I mean, we're designed to make some kind of impact. And the way we often look at our impact is we look at it as if it's our responsibility. So I think a number of us would go, yeah, I want to make an impact. And that means it's my responsibility to build my reputation, to build my career, to build my bank account, to build my family. That it's my responsibility to build these things that will make an impact and leave a lasting legacy. We look at ourselves that way, and if someone would try to hurt that impact or that legacy, we do everything in our power to guard our finances, to guard our reputation, to guard our career, to guard our family. It's sort of natural. And and when we think specifically about family, most of us go, you know what, when I decide to get married, I'll get married. Like, it's my control. I'll pick who I wanna marry, and then I'll marry them. And then when I get married, If I wanna have kids, I have kids. And if I don't wanna have kids, I won't have kids. And if I wanna have two kids, I'll have two kids. If I wanna have three kids, I'll have three kids. It'll fit right into my life plan. It'll happen just the way I want it. As if we have that much control. But I think it's pretty natural and normal to go, I'm gonna build my life, I'm gonna grow my family, I'm gonna do all of this stuff. This is exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. We we think that we make these choices about building and growing and guarding and starting and stopping. And I wonder if God looks at us and goes, really, you think you're that powerful? That you get to just pick whoever you want and do whatever you want and accomplish whatever you want and all that you pick and do and all the things you accomplish are gonna have a lasting impact after you're gone as if you have that much power, Joe? And I know some of you are going, oh, here we go. He's gonna talk about how God is sovereign over all things, and we're just like some kind of pawn on a chessboard. God's moving us around, and whatever lasting legacy we do have is predetermined by God, and he's the one that does this stuff, and we're just all robots, right? Well, that's not what the Bible teaches 
either. It's actually something like we think we're independent of God or we think we're robots for God. It's like we think that we do all this stuff and we establish our lives completely disconnected from our creator. Like there's nothing that connects us to him. We're doing our lives. We're doing, making our plans. We're accomplishing our goals. We're living our dreams. We're choosing. We're doing. We're living. We're guarding. There's zero connection to God is one way of thinking. Or he's upstairs with a remote control kind of you know, joystick like Atari back in the day, like you know, moving Joe around, doing what he, whatever, as if I'm completely robotic. But this is not what the Bible teaches at all. It's something different. And so this summer, we're learning wisdom in all areas of life. Let's learn some wisdom on how to leave a lasting impact. If you have your Bible, Psalm 127, Psalm 127, verses one through five is where we're going to be. We're just spending the summer going through the sections of the wisdom literature of the Bible, learning wisdom in all areas. And today, the psalm is going to teach us about a lasting impact. Would you pray with me? Father, as we open your word, help us to humbly approach the truth. We all make plans. We all have dreams. We all have hopes. We have fears, desires, and relationships, and career. God, it's intrinsic to each one of us that the decisions we make, we, we want them to last. We, we want to make a difference in this world. We want to bring about beauty in arts and goodness and technology and science. We want to make this world a better place, a place of justice and kindness and grace. We want to experience peace when we do leave this planet. We want the things that we've done while we're alive to help other people, to make things better. We want to be remembered. And so help us now to see your design for all of this as we look at the pages of the scriptures. Use Psalm 127 to guard us, to guide us, to lead us, to encourage us, I pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So again, we're in this wisdom section of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Psalm 127 is one of the few Psalms preserved for us written by Solomon. We've talked about Solomon a lot this summer, about how he wrote things, the wisest guy who ever lived. But when we look at his life, we see that he's a complete train wreck, right? So he's this wise person. He's kind of the windbag, you know, at the office that spouts off all the platitudes, but then lives exactly the opposite, and you just don't want to listen to him anymore. Well, that's kind of Solomon. He's, in a lot of ways, he's a dirtbag, and yet he's able to accomplish a lot and push a lot of wisdom our way, and some of us find ourselves going, why do I want to listen to Solomon? Actually, Psalm 127 helps me to understand how someone could be as flawed as Solomon and yet still leave a lasting impact. That gives me hope because I'm pretty flawed, and maybe even in my flawedness, there may be ways I can leave a lasting impact. As you hear this Psalm, I want you to think personal. Right? A lot of times when we approach the Bible and we talk as a church, a lot of times we're thinking corporate, we're thinking the church family, we're thinking the country, we're thinking wide groups of people. This psalm is actually intended to be very personal, very much about you and me and our families and the decisions we make that leave a lasting impact. Psalm 127, verse 1. 
Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for God grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. The psalm breaks down into two parts. First, verses one through two, talks about building and guarding our lives and how we do that. And then secondly, verses three through five, talk about our families and about children. So verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Remember, it's easy to think that we're completely independent, disconnected from God, or that we're like robots, one or the other. It, it's my job to build my life, it's my job to guard my life, or it's God's job to build my life and guard my life. And this psalm kind of lends to this thinking that maybe it's all God, that maybe we really are robots. It says, unless God builds or watches over things, then these things can't happen. But in reality, what it's teaching is a different category, a different framework, that it's about autonomous from God or partners with God. That there's nothing we can do on planet Earth or in this universe that's disconnected from God. Nothing. We think we're living independent lives, but it's impossible to live independent of God. We are not disconnected. We are always connected to him, and he in his love and goodness and sovereignty has designed a world where we can choose to live completely autonomous or self-governed, where we can willfully decide, I don't want you, I don't need you, I'm not following you, I'm not trusting you. And when we do that, we build real things. When we live autonomous, self-governed lives, we create, build, guard, preserve, establish real things. They're not fake, they're real. It's not a question of whether we can build or create real things and real legacy. The question is whether you will sleep at night. The question is more about when you build, when you create, when you establish, when you dream, when you have a family, will it be fruitful, purposeful, or fruitless? Have you had times in your life where you've done things and you put a lot of time and energy into something and it falls completely flat? Like you've, you've worked really hard, you had a dream, you had this idea, you had this hope. You put all kinds of time and investment into it. You worked hard, you sweat, you dreamed, you spent money, you did all this effort, and at the end of it you go, well, what was all this for? I, I like to garden, I like to plant things, and so at the beginning of spring I love turning over my beds and cleaning out the leaves and planting things. Have you ever spent a lot of time and money planting things and then you plant these beautiful flowers and they never flower? Like what the heck? Or you, you, you put tomatoes in the ground and you're like, 
this is going to be great. And you put all this effort into tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. And then nothing happens. You go through the entire season and nothing happens. And then you have another season, you plop some tomato in the ground and all of a sudden you got this bumper crop. You can make more gravy. I said gravy. You can make more gravy than you can even imagine because you have so many tomatoes. What's the deal with sometimes I put in my plants and there's no flowers and no tomatoes. And sometimes I put in plants and there's tons of flowers and tons of tomatoes. Have you had a situation in your life where you've put a lot of work and a lot of effort into something and there's no flowers, there's no tomatoes, and you get to the end of the season, you dig it up and you throw it in the compost pile and you go, what was all that for? I mean, how many times have we done that in relationships? We have this dream, this desire in a relationship. We invest all kinds of time, all kinds of heart, all kinds of energy into someone or something and at the end of it, comes to nothing. Or you had this idea, boy, you had the most brilliant idea ever. Man, you were gonna invent something that was gonna change the world. And you know what happened? Nothing. It didn't even make one of those TV commercials where you sell crap. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing happened with your stupid idea. You had great thoughts, you put in lots of energy, lots of time, nothing happened. You invested all kinds of heart into this song you were writing, and you thought it would be a top seller, or you thought you could start painting, really? You are terribly unartistic, right? And it's like you put energy, you put time into something, and it comes to nothing. What happens? Why? And I think there's times when it's just because you're a bad artist, right? Or you're a bad gardener. There's other times that what the psalm is teaching us is we choose to live autonomous, self-governed lives. We do our own thing, feeling like we're completely disconnected from God and we don't care about who he is or what he thinks. We make our plans, we do our thing, we follow our dreams. It's all fruitless. It amounts to nothing. No lasting legacy, no lasting results. It's why in verse two it says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, you work your tail off, spinning your wheels, toiling. And then he says this interesting line, for God grants sleep to those he loves. You wake up early and spend all this time or energy on that relationship or that project or that dream or that whatever, and you can't sleep at night. You're so anxious. You're struggling so much. And he says, it's God who grants sleep. It's God who grants sleep. Rest. You see, in partnership with God, when we do these things, then we rest because he never sleeps, so I can sleep even when I have great dreams and great hopes and great desires. I'm guilty of this all the time. I make these plans and these desires and these dreams, and they become fruitless. I think this is what happened with Solomon. He accomplished a lot in his life, but some of his autonomous, sinful nature is where he did things that were worthless and forgotten, but in partnership with God, there were things that were purposeful and remembered, and the wisdom that he shares, even when he's a train wreck, it's God's wisdom, so it lasts, and it makes sense, and it helps us, even though he was a wreck of a person. So the psalm is inviting us into a partnership with God. Some of you are thinking, great, I think what he's talking about is if I walk in God's will, then I will be successful. If I find God's will, then he will establish all the good things in my life. But if I miss God's will, then I'm not gonna be successful. But that's not what I'm talking about at all. It's actually much simpler. It's 
God wants to partner with you in every single thing you do. In your thoughts, in your attitudes, in your words, in your actions, in your finances, in your sex life, in your relationship, in your parenting, in your work, your career, your dream, your songwriting, your innovation. He wants to partner in every single aspect of your life. Psalm 19, 21 is one of my life verses. Many are the plans in a person's heart, translation. Many are the plans that Joe has. I got lots of plans, don't you? Lots of dreams and lots of hopes. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. See this invitation? I have plans and I have dreams. And sometimes my plans and my dreams actually become my God. But there is only one true God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who sent his only son. And when I live and worship and submit my plans and dreams to him. And I don't choose autonomy, but I choose partnership. That's when I gain traction, where the things that I want to accomplish and the things that I do have a lasting impact. There's an impact of fruitful life comes as I partner with God. He knows you, right? So God wired you. He made you. He knows your hopes, your dreams. He knows your fears, your struggles. He knows your gifts, your talents. He knows the ways people have mistreated you. He knows every part of you. And he's saying, you want to make a lasting impact? Partner with me in everything. In everything, no exceptions, no categories where we go, well, I'm not partnering with you on this, God. No, every aspect I am going to seek to live wisely and have the greatest impact as I walk in partnership with God. And just think of how awesome this is. The creator of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, wants to have a partnership with you. And if, if you said, I want to have a partnership with me, like if you came up to me like, I'd like to have a partnership with you, I'd be like, I listen, I know that you're dumb, and I know that you, maybe you're, I mean, you're not maybe dumb, but you're not the sharpest tool, right? I know you're all thumbs. I know you've made mistakes in life. I heard what you did, this and that. I don't want to partner with you. God knows that you're not so smart, and you're all thumbs, and you make a mess of things. But he says, I want to partner with you. He knows everything good and bad and ugly about you and goes, I want to partner with you. How amazing is that? So you're thinking about a career change? God wants to partner with you. You're struggling with some fear or anxiety? God wants to partner with you. You're frustrated with your living arrangements? God wants to partner with you. You have a great new song or piece of art or some new technology or innovation? God wants to partner with you. You're hopeful to start a family. God wants to partner with you. You're going through a storm. God wants to partner with you. Paul describes the partnership this way with followers of Christ, Philippians 2.12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it isn't like you just put your faith in Jesus and that's the end of your relationship with God. It's the beginning, he's saying. We work out or walk out our salvation with God in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see the partnership language there? That God knows me and knows my purposes and my desires, and he says, Joe, I want your sin, and I'm gonna give you eternal life, and I'm putting my spirit inside you, and I want to fulfill my good purposes through you. Will you partner with me? 
So it becomes a prayer of mine that says, God, I want to partner with you. I want to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. I want the purposes that you have for me and for my family, for my career and for my community to be the purposes that I pursue. That whatever you want is what I want. Help me, Spirit of God, to work out my fear, my salvation with fear and trembling and to fulfill your good purposes on planet earth and that partnership together where I submit to him, I give him my sin and my dreams and my hopes, my gifts and my talents, and I say, I'll walk with you and will you walk with me? And in that I make lasting legacy of impact and purpose on planet earth. I'm not saying I'm going to be famous or rich or wealthy. That's not what it is, but it's something that's going to last because God lasts. Here's what you can be sure of. If your plans are not anchored in loving God and loving your neighbor, then they're going to be fruitless and you will not sleep. Say it again. If your plans and your dreams do not include loving God and loving neighbor, you can count on the fact that they will ultimately be fruitless. If your plans contradict the clear teaching of the Bible, you can be sure you'll be able to do it. You can build it. It will be fruitless and you will lose sleep because it's not in alignment with who God is. You make a lasting impact as you partner with him in everything you do. Now remember, this passage is really personal. It's beyond building our careers and our wealth and reputation. It's also including building a family because the single greatest way I make a lasting impact is through people. Verse three, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Now, look at this. This is the exact opposite of what our culture teaches us to think about children. We've made marriage and sex about self-fulfilling things, about self-pleasure, not about reproduction, but the Bible says that sex and marriage is for a specific purpose of reproducing, and it's for reproducing partners with God so that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So for many of us, in the church and outside the church, we see children as inconvenience. Or sometimes we'll see children as the byproduct of a sex life instead of the purpose of sex is to reproduce. And so if it's a byproduct or an inconvenience, then, then we never look at the lasting opportunity that God wants to give through children. Or, or we'll think that you know, I'm, children are for me to live my best life through. Like, honestly, your kid's not going to the NFL. Look at you. Why would your kid go to the NFL? I mean, seriously, you're, you don't live your life through your children. That, that's not what you do. That's not the point. They're a gift from God. They're also not yours to control or for you to get what you want out of them or for them to fulfill your dreams. No, they are a gift from God. And what the Bible teaches is actually the more you have, the greater the gift. And in our world, it's like the less you have, the better, right? And there's something in that that's interesting because I can look at our world today and go, why would any smart person bring children into this crazy world? But it's because God says this is how you leave a lasting impression that we bring children into the world. And we ask God to establish them. And he says, the blessed is the person who has lots of kids. Now, I know this is a hard passage and a hard teaching from the Bible because I know that when the Bible says that children are a reward from God, 
there are some of you that are struggling with that because you look at it and go, I, I can't have kids. I, I wanna have kids. And if the Bible says it's a reward from God, then does it mean that I'm being punished by God? That I'm not having children? And the answer to that is no. There are many godly people who want children and can't have them. And yet this psalm remains true. Whether you have biological children or not, reproduction is a gift from God. And you go, of course you say that, Joe, because you have children. So I wanna be sensitive, I honestly do. I know there are people right now that desperately want to be married or you've lost a spouse for some reason and I know this is hard for you. I know there are people that desperately want a loving relationship but are choosing celibacy instead. I know that there are couples right now that are desperately trying to have children. They're struggling with infertility, and I wanna be sensitive. I can't honestly imagine how difficult. I don't know your journey, but that's incredibly hard. And it doesn't change the fact of what the Bible says, that reproduction is a gift from God, and you make the greatest lasting impact by reproducing godliness in this world. And I want to encourage you to see that word reproducing as something far beyond biology, because there are some people out there who have reproduced biologically, but they have not done what God wants in reproducing godliness, right? So this is so much bigger than biology. It's if I want to make a lasting impact, I reproduce in the lives of others good things. Listen to the blessing he says in verse four. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children. Blessed is the man who has a lot of arrows. They will be, not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. And so he's saying there's a way that we go on offense in reproducing the kingdom of God through other people by reproducing children. Yes, biologically, but beyond that, there are ways that we're defended by reproducing, that other people stand up for us when we reproduce, and we're not alone. So you want a lasting impact in this world? Reproduce. Reproduce your knowledge, reproduce your love, reproduce your faith in the lives of others. Absolutely that is something that you do at home, and you have children and you invest in them. You invest in their faith and their life. You know, you see your children, and this is a struggle for me, just like it is for you. Sometimes when the kids get in the way of my skiing, I just want to play more golf and pickleball, and I have to deal with this teenager? I mean, you never think that way, do you? I mean, don't kids get in the way? I mean, where's the return on investment, right? I mean, isn't that the way we think? It's true, we feel that way, we think that way, and yet, if we're honest and look at the scriptures, we go, wait, God, these are a gift from you, and so my work at home is more important than my work outside of the home. That I'm going to work and invest and give my life and my love to, yes, my biological children at home, seeing that the most important work happens there, and they're not an obstacle to me getting where I want, they are my greatest legacy in how I invest in them. But beyond that, again, this is so much more than biology. At work, how do you equip others? Are you reproducing yourself at work? Or are you the only one at work that can do that one job and you kind of take pride in that? I'm the only one. So when I'm on vacation, the whole place stops. Talk about bad reproduction. 
Instead of saying, no, I wanna equip others. I wanna serve others. I want other people to have great careers. I want other people to learn what I know. I want other people to be able to do what I can do. I'm going to equip and ensure their salaries grow and not worry about mine. I'm gonna reproduce at work and I'm gonna share my faith. Well, I can't share my faith at work. You talk about the Phillies at work, you can talk about Jesus at work, right? If you love something, you talk about it. Doesn't mean you have to preach a sermon, but you talk about what you love and you can reproduce faith at work. At your NA meeting or your AA meeting, you know the name of the higher power they're all talking about. Say his name and you watch how you reproduce at AA and NA. In our community, there are children that are stuck in foster systems. We can be individuals that foster and adopt. If you're single and celibate, you can still foster and adopt. If you're single and celibate, you can be a boys club, girls club mentor. You can work and serve in our small groups or our kids ministry, student ministries, so you can reproduce in the lives of other people. You don't have grandkids or your grandkids live far away. You can adopt someone else's kids to invest in them to ensure you reproduce. All of us can mentor. All of us can reproduce. All of us can make a lasting impact. There's a man in this church that's reproduced godliness in my life. I want to share his story with you. Watch this. Psalm 71:18 says, "Even when I am old and gray, do not abandon me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation." It was my privilege to grow up in a Christian home where the next generation was taught about the things of God. And I remember one night I was home alone with my grandfather. They lived with us. And my grandfather was a godly man. He loved the Lord, a German immigrant, not a lot of formal education, but he had a major impact upon my life because that night he started talking to me about Jesus. And then he asked me if I wanted to invite Jesus into my life, and I did. And that started a long journey with the Lord. I would watch him each evening read his Bible. I would stand beside him as he talked to the neighbors over the fence about Jesus, and all of those things made a huge impact upon me. And then I don't know why, but he asked me if I would consider being a pastor when I grew up. And I didn't know any better, so I said, yes. And as time went on, uh, the night before he died, I went in to say goodbye to my grandfather. And again, he asked me, Paul, are you still considering becoming a pastor when you grow up? And I said, yes. And those were the last words that I heard my grandfather say, but I have never forgotten them. They ring in my ears every day almost. When I think back to how my grandfather impacted my life, it encourages me to influence the lives of other people because his legacy lives on in my life and I recognize God has given me opportunities beyond the pastorate to influence the lives of other people. And one day I'm not going to be here, 
but what I've been, what I have spoken into the lives of other people will live on. We all have that opportunity to make an impact, even when you're young, maybe in elementary school or in high school, you can still impact the lives of those around you. And as a parent or a coworker or a, whatever you are doing, you're going to be involved with people. And remember, you are impacting their lives for good or for bad as you interact with them. Most of you have never met Paul, but Paul has radically changed my life. So his grandfather, German immigrant, mentors, disciples, his grandson Paul, and Paul moves from the Midwest to Allentown, and Joe moves from Jersey to Allentown, and at 32 years old, six, late 60s Paul takes me under his wing and teaches me how to be a pastor. When I took over this place, this man has helped me behind the scenes daily showing me how to love Jesus, how to read the Bible, how to lead a church, and you just never know. He's not my biological dad, but he's become my biological spiritual grandfather. What impact can you make? What way could you invest in the life of someone else? And here's the risk, I, I gotta tell you. If you decide to have a lasting impact on people, it's gonna cost you big time. It's not easy, you have to surrender your dreams and your desires and your finances and your career. You have to surrender these things, but it does yield an impact. So I wanna read you a quote from a theologian that's helpful to me, it's convicting to me, a theologian named Derek Kidner about this passage from Psalm 127. He said, it's not untypical of God's gifts that they are first liabilities or at least responsibilities before they become obvious assets. Hear that, anything that God entrusts to you, your talents, your time, your gifts, your money, people, relationships, kids, coworkers, the kids you coach, anything is a liability first or a responsibility first before it becomes any kind of asset. The greater the promise, the more likely that these sons will be a handful before they're quiverful. Can you relate to that? If you're a parent, you might have a kid that's a handful. At work, there might be people that you work with that you're like, that person's a handful. If you're a coach or a teacher, that person is a handful. Is it possible that that handful is so much promise and hope waiting for you to sacrifice time and energy and money and dreams to say they matter more than me, that they're benefit more than me, and with our kids and with our families, man, it's hard. But what possibility, what reward would there be if we would say, I wanna partner with God in investing in the life of this person for a lasting impact, and I'm gonna make it through the handful, and I will see the quiverful, the arrows that come and the defense that comes. It's a choice that we make from the beginning that we're either gonna be autonomous from God or we're gonna partner with him. Does he have purposes for your life? Does he care about your dreams and your relationships? 
Does he know the artistic ideas and the hopeful things you want to serve the world with? Does he understand your desire for a family, for kids, for grandkids? Does he know all this about, and are you going to choose to be self-governed with all of that, or are you going to choose to partner with him? If you choose to partner, it will cost. It will cost, but you will leave a lasting impact, and the things that you establish will last, and you will sleep. But when you choose autonomy, you want to guarantee yourself a lot of sleepless nights? Choose autonomy from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You want to choose partnership? You're choosing a path of peace. Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, but the cost is worth it. Would you pray with me? Father, you designed us to make an impact. You designed us to make a difference. You designed us to bring your kingdom onto planet Earth. You designed us with dreams and ideas. You want to use us in science and education and medical and arts. You designed us with a desire to make a difference and a lasting impact. God, when we're presented with the choice to do that apart from you or with you, give us the humility to partner with you. And would you establish the work of our hands? And would you give us rest as we trust you? Lord, when there's times that we're running hard and fast and toiling and finding things to be fruitless, help us to stop and submit to you and say, is this what you want me to do? Am I on your path? Is this about loving you and loving others? Is this against the clear teaching of Scripture? And if we find that we're against the teaching of Scripture, we're not loving other people or loving you, help us to stop and redirect and regain our focus to partner with you. Establish the work of our hands. Your purposes will prevail. We trust you. We need you. We love you. 